0: say hombre order in the battle look a little closer cigar in mascardo and <Spanish> act the coming from chicago out make way for palvato hi my name is paul vato and welcome everyone to alvato presents and today my guest is jose ucar or ucar if it's jose ucar or jose ucar
1: well, I do like the second one better, but if you call me Jose Yucar, I will turn, turn around. And then, I, I may respond. I may respond. Let's see how today goes.
0: It's me, like with my made-up last name of Vato. You know, Vato is a very Mexican slang that means like dude, like che, orale, Vato. You know, orale. but if you call me Vato, I'm going to go like, oh, it's, yes, they're talking. That's definitely me. <laughs> so, uh, orale. All right. Well jose Jose thank you so much uh, for being here and taking time um, I, I know that our schedules are uh, a little bit different because you are in the UK so I want to touch base on all those things you know uh, your background your history but maybe would you mind uh, maybe introducing yourself a little bit to the people that are here so that they can um, see who you are and kind of what you do and then and then we'll touch base on your family and growing up in Venezuela and then making you know traveling the world really and then ending up in the UK. So who is uh, Jose Ucar?
1: Hey, Paul. Well, again, thank you so much. And hello, incredible audience for being here today. I'm a communication and public speaking coach and I help businesses, I help people in business, business leaders to communicate with impact. That is the summary of what I do on a daily basis. I'm also not only a coach and a trainer, I'm also a speaker and everything I do touches on three things. Mindset, language, and I would say everything else that happens externally. So mindset, language, body language, and the impact we create in the audience. That's actually my, yeah, the the three elements. I'm sure there's another element that is not coming to mind, but it will come at some point today.
0: And when it does, uh, by all means, please let us know. Now, we met on Clubhouse, you know, social audio. I think social audio is uh, such an important uh, part of our life and whatnot. So, um, it, but it's great when you have those rooms on Clubhouse. And I see it, I pop in because uh, you, you have so much to share. And I've seen you help so many people. Uh, I'm, you know, my inspiration is, you know, one day I'd like to, you know, work on my TEDx talk. I'd like to have a TEDx talk. So uh, it's it's uh, amazing what you do and and how you help people uh, do that.
1: It's one of those things that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. And then I wake up the next day still thinking about it. And, you know, it keeps me energized. It's amazing because I can be tired. You can potentially see it. You know, I got like dark under my eyes a little bit. But the fact that, you know, I know I'm helping people, then it's just, yeah, it's that energy that comes from somewhere else, not just within me, which is
0: amazing. Amazing. How did you get into this field, or, or I mean, are your parents motivational speakers? You, you know, I, I deal with a lot of actors and, and uh, uh, movie stars and you know singers, and so I like to ask that question. But I think it kind of also works here. Like, are your parents in this, or uh, and were they supportive when you kind of got into it, or were they more like business people, or what's what's what was it like growing up?
1: Oh, good buddy. Well, what was it like growing up? Well, first of all, my parents, my dad, well, they are no public speakers. They are not, I mean, I'm going to say they are motivational in their own way and inspiring, but they don't, they don't do what I do, nothing close to it. My dad was into business uh, back in Venezuela, uh, real estate for a while. He was a pilot when, when I was born, but then he decided to pursue something else. And then my mom, she's always been in business, mainly HR. That's been her specialty and she's about to retire in the next couple of years. They're in Spain now. They moved, they left Venezuela many years ago. And I think that the most important thing I can share before you ask me any other questions, if they've been supportive, they've been the best in their own way with the resources they have available. They've been always, always, you know, supported me, given me plenty of love, which is the most important thing and encouragement. So they always be like rooting for me every time. They still do. My dad is my number one supporter on social network, for example. That's,
0: that, that's, that's wonderful because I think, and I don't know if it's uh, a stereotype. It must be a stereotype, you know, because uh, you always feel that like Latino parents aren't necessarily <laughs> very supportive when it comes to more creative endeavors. And, and I hope that that's changing and I hope that that's different, but I can only kind of speak from my own experience. Granted, you know, my father—he was from Mexico. I was born in Chicago, and my mom is from Texas. And uh, but, you know, m- my father was a lot older than I was. I mean, I was born probably when he was like in his forties. So, you know, by the time you know I'm in my twenties, he's in his sixties. So he's he's you know I was like, whoa, that's really old. I think for, for a lot of people, but um, you know, so 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 I've always kind of I hopefully been under the wrong assumption that that. Latino parents are not very supportive because the, now the more people that I speak to, they're like, "Oh no, it's quite the opposite." My parents have been very supportive, whether it's you know stand-up comedians or actors or anyone like that. So that is that's great to hear that they are you know like your biggest fans and whatnot.
1: But I, I see I see where you're coming from with that because I remember being in Venezuela. I mean, my my dad has always been more flexible. Kind of look, pursue your dreams if you want to do something different with your life. Yes. My mom, on the other side, she said, get a career, get a degree, get something. And then from there, explore. But at least you have got something to fall back on. That was her advice. So I decided to take a little bit from each one of them. But even when I was in Venezuela and I was doing things that weren't actually being a doctor or being a dentist or what's the other one, a lawyer or something like that, people would look at me. But there's no no money in it or that. Everything is was kind of money driven, and well, but you're not going to be successful if you do that. People, I'm not going to say ignorant is the word, but close minded when it comes to exploring outside, you know, the, the main careers that have always been popular, or, or engineer, for instance.
2: Of course, of course. And,
1: and that's that's I think something that's not only Latin America, in many countries, because you also find in the UK. Look, you need that career, but as you know, more and more people are exploring internet. One of the positive things is it's open possibilities to create new businesses, explore new things. Do what really fulfills you. And that's key.
0: That's And that's it. I think more and more people are discovering that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, please give it up for Jose and, and what he what has to say because more and more people are discovering their passions. And, you know, we didn't have a choice, you know, a couple of years ago when we were, uh, now it's like, no, oh, shoot, now I have to work from home. Or I got to figure something out because my business is closed. So um, I'm, I'm glad that I think that there's been this this shift, this mentality shift where where people are now really uh, starting to explore what makes me happy. I mean, there's this they're calling it what the the Great Resignation, where people are resigning and and going like, you know, I've discovered again my passion, you know, for for podcasting and for acting, and I'm like. If I can make a living at this, this is going to be wonderful. And its I can see it's shifting because I'm spending and investing more and more time in doing this. But I really enjoy this, you know, and, and I like Clubhouse. I like other social audio apps, but I really like this, the interaction, the one-on-one where you and I can do, you know, a, a, a sort of a little deep dive into this where we don't do that on other platforms because we're not selfish. We're not going to sit there and and monopolize the room. We're here. I know that you know the people that are here. They're here to listen to you and get some advice from you and learn a little bit about you. And maybe we make them laugh a little bit along the way and and have a good
2: Hopefully time. We do that.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully, we can do that. <laughs> so, how long were you in Venezuela? Because and, and I mean, there's, we could probably go on, on on Venezuela and and I don't want to call them problems, but you know the situation that is in Venezuela and what's ha- you know. I mean I I believe it used to be like maybe the wealthiest Latin country in Latin America at one point and you know there's been this this big uh shift. Uh so what was it like growing up there and how old were you when you when you left? I would assume that you left with your parents. And I don't want to dwell on the negative. I mean I I you know I'm I'd, I would love to visit Venezuela.
1: All right, Paul, where do I start? Well, growing up in that country was a dream. Okay? Mhm. I could also say I didn't know any different because, you know, I was growing up there. But even when I compare things, I wouldn't change it for the world. My time in Venezuela was very, very special. I left when I was 25. I'm 40 now. I just turned 40 this year. And it was incredible, incredible, amazing people, lots of love from my parents, from my family. We weren't a big family, but we were, you know, very close in a way. And I got to experience living not only in Caracas, where I was born in the capital, I also lived by the sea. So I could experience what it was like, you know, just to in the middle of the afternoon, jump on a bike, and then just cycle around town free without any concerns about anyone, you know, stealing your bike or kidnapping you. And we could go to the sea, which was, well, literally, I lived in front of the sea for 12 years. Amazing views. At some point, I'll send you a picture. My dad has got loads of them. It was a treat. It was magnificent. And those are my memories, the memories of my grandparents, everything. Then things started to change. And quickly before, because I see you want to ask me something, say something. 1950s, around the 1950s, Venezuela was the first, I mean, the biggest, how do I say this? The biggest destination for investment from the US into Latin America. That was number one. And it became the... um, the most developed country within Latin America by far, because obviously oil, it was, um, well, privatized. It was, you know, the, it was taking care of the key key um, companies, industries worldwide, if you like, before it got nationalized. When it got nationalized, we're diving into history here, then things started to shift. But by then, the 1950s, 60s, we could really, I wasn't around, but that was the real, you know, wealthy time for that country development, even, you know, when they started creating the streets in Caracas, they were planning 20, 30, 40 years ahead, which is something you don't see nowadays that often. So it was a treat, my friend, and very good memories. Uh, let me stop it there and carry on, because otherwise I just dive into more history and moments and things. And...
0: <laughs> well, we might have to do a whole show just dedicated to Venezuela. And, uh, you know, because that, that, that is one of my passions is is traveling, but... You know, being a business owner, I haven't had the chance to really go everywhere. But definitely I want to explore all of of Latin America, you know, for sure. I, I mean, I've been to Cuba. Of course, I've been to Mexico, where my father's from, as far as Latin America goes. And, and I've been to, you know, I've been to France. I've been to Spain. But I really want to explore Latin America. And Venezuela would be it. My question, it was, it was probably just silly, but what's the name of that town, that the seaside town, the the oceanside town that you grew up in? Um, or- Cumaná. Kumana, Kumana, it sounds lovely. It sounds wonderful. I mean, anytime they can live by the beach, uh, uh, you know, by by the by the ocean it, side there it, it's it, it was. It was
1: nature hasn't changed in the country, but I would say people 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 have changed. Yes.
0: Did Did you and your family all move at the same time, or because you said you left when you were twenty five? Or had your parents already left, or did they leave later? How did that migration work?
1: Yeah, it. we did it in three stages. First left my, well, my dad and my brother left. My younger brother, he is, well, he was, was in 12. He was 12 when they left back in 2002. Yeah, 2002, they left to Spain. Then I left in 2006, and then 2007, my mom followed. And then a year after that, I left to the UK, and then I started jumping around <laughs> <laughs> you, from country you, you, from country
0: to country and things like that. I love it. I, I love it. I mean, that, that's that's still. I hope it's not too late for me. I still, you know, want to do that because it's it's uh, it just you know, and social audio has really uh, just cemented the fact that that's what I want to do. I want to meet people. I want to meet you. You know, yeah. At least now we've gone a step further, and we've kind of, you know, we've met face to face. But I knew you from Clubhouse. It was just, just audio, Uh, and then now visually. But I would love to come to the UK, and you know, you show me around. You you take me to the places that you hang out. You, you introduce me to your friends and what you do. Especially, you know, being from somewhere else and moving to a culture that's that's very British or English. But um, you know, I have other friends that are also that happen to be Latino. That live in the UK as well, uh, so it, it's what I'm going to interview him as well, and, and maybe maybe you, I'll introduce you guys. But because uh, I'm sure all you Latinos must know each other, right? If you live in the in London, <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll
1: you'll be very surprised. I don't know many Latinos. I don't know many many Venezuelans either. But I guess that's that's the way I am. I, wherever I go, I just hang around with the people in the area. So I, yep. I, don't, I don't. I never go looking for. I'm just, I'm just there and I open up to what's there. That's something I've always done not without even thinking about it. But I remember even when I went to Sweden, I learned the language because I wasn't even thinking. I'm going to start looking for, plus there were many Latinos in that tiny town in the north of the country back in the 90s. But then I just you know embraced my situation, connected with people in the area, and that's the best way to learn. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with connecting with, I mean, looking for Latin Americans and things but then in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm in a different place. I want to experience what's different. And that's how I've always done it. But now I'm, I'm having more people from Venezuela, more people coming here. So we hear them on the streets and we connect. We say hello, which is beautiful as
0: well. So Can you, can you tell if somebody's from Venezuela or do you just know that they're Latino? Or can you go like, that guy's from you know He or she, they're, they're Venezuelan. Can you tell? Is there no, an accent? I
1: mean, the, the accent? The accent, yes. I can spot the accent still.
0: Okay. For miles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm from Chicago where we don't have an accent. So, you know. No, I'm kidding. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where you don't?
0: No, nah, Chicago. No accent. Chicago. Don't be a dag off. Um, no.
1: Thank <laughs> you. Uh,
0: no, and, and I was going to say, yeah, if you want to be amongst other Latinos, then, you know, move back to Latin America or Los Angeles, you know. Uh, so, so uh, I get it because I'm the same way. You know, if, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to experience. I already know what my culture is right? Let me experience that that culture. Um, I I learned how to say "jag Paul," which is I believe my name is in Swedish. So, do, do you speak
1: heter Paul"?
0: Yo, Paul. And I've started studying Norwegian because I want to go visit my friend in Norway, who's who's Mexican American. Uh, I, well, he was born in Mexico, I think, and then uh, became an um, American citizen, but he lives in Norway, and he's the inventor of the pancake bot. It's it's like a, a, a 3D printer that prints out pancakes, and he's he's also done TEDx. He's a TEDx speaker. He served breakfast to President Obama in the White House with, the, with this wow. pancake bot, but he lives in Norway. You know, he, his wife's Norwegian. His kids are half Mexican, half Viking, and half Mexican, so... Uh, you know, <laughs> so i started learning a little bit of norwegian but uh really the only thing that i remember is my name is paul in swedish so that's a that's a good start oh good good how long were you in sweden i lived
1: there for a year
0: wow okay, for, okay. A
1: full, for a full
0: year uh jason barajas Says, Jose, I hear the accent from the country that you're in right now. You can definitely tell that you're in the UK just by the way you use your acentos. That's very okay. interesting.
1: Well, there we go. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I've been here for a while. In the past, I spoke with, I mean, people in the UK would say, yeah, you're American. Because then I have more of an American accent, which I learned when I lived there and when I lived in Sweden. But then being here for so many years, I guess, yeah, you do pick up the accent, which, you know, i guess it's normal and paul i just wanted you know to really quickly reconnect to what 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 i said before about not looking for latinos but embracing you know my environment i embraced my environment and i ended up marrying a colombian lady
0: Uh, wait where did you find that in the uk was she already in the uk or where did you guys meet
1: she, she was already in the uk and look I don't think I completely fit this stereotype of a Latino dancing and everything else. I dance okay and I like it, but I don't go out (laughs) dancing, right? I don't just go dancing. But I have a friend from Iran. He's a very good friend of mine. He's almost like a brother. And he's a professional salsa dancer. Wow. He said to me one day, Jose, this weekend, he speaks like this. He's quite, you know, romantic when he chats and, you know, it's just always like, Jose, we're going to go to this that salsa concert, and this band is playing. Do you know them? And I went like, no, I don't know them. How, how, how can you not know them? They're super famous in Latin America. Well, I said, I'm sorry, I don't know them. Anyway, we went there, and by the end of the night, I was dancing with my future wife without even knowing it.
0: Wow. But it was because
1: someone else, and yeah, that's how things happen. I embraced that environment so much that then I ended up marrying <laughs>
0: A, a Colombian. Well, uh, they're everywhere because my brother's also married to a Colombian uh, who <laughs> loves to dance. So she must be from like Barranquilla uh, because my, uh, okay. my my brother's wife goes. I'm from Barranquilla, like Shakira. Baila, baila, baila. You know, they're always they're always freaking dancing these Colombians. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, my wife is from Cali, so Cali, the, the, okay. Yeah, so salsa dancing is yeah very common in there. Popular. It's kind of the it's part of the culture. You don't dance don't go out don't talk wow.
0: to me yeah 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 that's that is wonderful um how long have you been married sorry we should ask her
1: uh 3 4 years okay. there we go so that's how precise i am. <laughs> or 5
0: <laughs> if you want oh, I'll, well, cut, the,
1: I'll cut this yeah, out sir. <laughs> You come, you come and ask. Actually, I'll invite her to the show next time or something. Or you invite her, and then you can discuss that bit. I think three years, four years, three years, four years.
0: <laughs> I might have to cut that out here. If you want to do it again, we can. Jose, uh, how how long have you been? How long have you been married?
1: Yeah, l- let's do that one again. Okay, so let's do it again.
0: <laughs> Jose, uh, how long have you been married?
1: Three years, Paul, and it's been amazing. Uh-
0: wonderful wonderful thank you <laughs> and cut uh good 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 uh, any any kids or are you just practicing
1: no no we I, I would like to practice a bit more but then life gets in the way or in yeah. her way because life doesn't get in my way if I want to practice but well, there we go yeah no kids
0: man I- <laughs> <laughs> I the, have-
1: the, the, the audience is on fire thank you guys I mean that you know my jokes are daddy jokes but there we go
0: that they're wonderful please everyone you know what if you're here let's let's give jose a round of applause and thank you guys and please share share the screen i'm gonna do that share to my followers thank you people because it's um you know and we'll get a little bit into what you do and how people can reach out to you if they need help as far as you know their 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 motivational speaking and, and the programs that you offer and things like that but it is it's so good to actually sit here and talk to you and and it always fascinates me and maybe, you know, because I am, you know, Mexican-American and, you know, somehow ending up in the U.S., you know, my father. But I've always appreciated cultures like that, even if it's a Venezuelan marrying a Colombian and, the you know, the intricacies or your friend who's, you say he's Iranian, who's a salsa dancer, like things like that always, always fascinate, fascinates me. Or, you know, when couples that are Muslim and Jewish end up connecting and and getting married and, you know, or Christian and, and non you know, atheist or whatever you know um so it I, I love exploring that i think it just makes the world such a much richer place and social audio is just making the world smaller and smaller because here you are in the uk and i'm still half asleep in vegas and here we are talking like like no big deal
1: no big deal absolutely
0: so how did now you went to school for business right because i was going to ask how did you get into motivational speaking and uh, can anyone do it is this something that, that can be taught? Can, can it be learned? Or is it, Oh, you know, you, you have to, I think I know the answer, but you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, I, I could never do that.
1: Well, if you believe you cannot do that, then you won't simple, right? Anyone can learn this anyone. And if you want to give it a go, get, get started. There's lots of resources already online, plenty of things on my website, I mean, it's just the wish to do it, and then I'm sure you will you will make it work. And how did I get onto this? How what do I is I make this a short story?
0: What is your website? Uh, we're, we're, let me enter it because there's oh. a little fortune cookie that people can just click on oh, the okay. link. Fantastic!
1: It, it is JoseUcar.com.
0: Okay, that's going to be very difficult, JoseUcar.com, and such okay. a great name too, my friend. And it's such balance. You know, uh, Jose Ucar, four and four. I mean, it's it's really... So I've added it right to the fortune cookie so people can just click right below us and then they can click uh, your, your website and go right to it. Let me make sure that that's correct, yes. Um Paul, thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I should have done it earlier, but uh, so, so yes, you know, getting into TEDx and motivational speaking. So people can just go to your website and, and there's all these, I would imagine, free resources and then they can also hire you to uh
1: yeah everything yes you they'll find resources they'll find some videos they'll find access to my online uh course that i have in there how to get in touch with me the youtube channel everything everything i have is on the website and if they don't find it on the website feel free to reach out to me and i'll be more than happy to support in any way i can and paul you know what it's interesting how i got into this and That's the thing, you know, life, goodness me, where do I start? I always loved the camera. So I remember being five, six years old and my my uncle bought one of these big cameras, you know, back in the day with the VHS, the tape, huge tape. And I remember just loving being in front of it, jumping around. And I don't know whether it was the camera or the fact that I could see myself afterwards or the fact that I had my family together and it was a special occasion. You know what? Maybe all of it combined. I came to realize that later. I loved it. But then life, parents, family, friends, you need to focus on something. You need to do something. And I didn't know what to do until I came back from Sweden. And I I thought, look, I've always liked business. I actually started my first business when I was six. I always liked business and I always liked being international. And I'm coming back from Sweden. I got another language. And at that point I decided, okay, Languages, international, business, international business seemed to be the right thing to do. And that's how I got started. My biggest success throughout my career was my ability to connect with people and to go out there and present. So I remember my boss saying, Jose, now we're going to send you, well, the, the two, three bosses I had throughout my career. Now we're going to send you to Mexico. You're going to present this business. Now we're going to send you to Germany, and this is the product you're going to be launching. And now we're going to send you to Turkey, and now you're going to be in India. And now, and it was the presentation skills that really opened up everything for me. I loved it, and eventually I decided to start doing more of that. People within the business and partners and clients started inviting me, well, inviting me, asking me to deliver training for their teams because they love the way in which I deliver My sessions, the presentations, I put events together for for the businesses as well. And then it seemed to, it became actually quite a natural transition towards where I am today. Natural transition, lots of work people, so it didn't happen overnight, but a very smooth way of things coming together. I didn't see it though, but it started happening. And I just decided to follow the momentum, I went along with it.
0: That that that's wonderful. Uh, I had a uh, another question. Uh, There were two questions. uh, One more on topic, which was, um, do you what kind of preparation do you do before you do a speech? It it sounds like uh, the question was also like, does your does your speech change from project to project or you know uh, talk to talk? And then how much preparation do you have to do?
1: I'm always preparing. And I know that's a big of a, well, you're always preparing for what? I'm always preparing. I'm always thinking about new content. I'm always reading. I'm always looking for inspiration. So you hear me speak today and it's going to be different to what I speak next week or what I share next week. That's one thing. Of course, I've got my keynotes. And then my keynotes, I have one that is called, yeah, thank you, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thank
2: you.
1: Thank um, you. I have a keynote, for instance, called Speaking with Impact and Confidence. And the way in which I structure my talks are I decide how many points I want to make and then the stories I'm going to use to illustrate them, the kind of data I want to highlight. Those are the key elements. And then I rehearse those and then I practice those. And from talk to talk, I, one thing I never do is, oh, because I've delivered this keynote 20, 30, 40 times, I'm not going to practice before the session. Wrong. Wrong. I still practice it because I know since I've been learning things until that day or that moment, when I deliver that as, uh, during my rehearsal, naturally I inject more things, which makes it even more powerful. And that's the evolution as a speaker in the same way as an athlete, as a high performer in whatever area of your life, your career. So always improving. The rehearsing becomes part of what I do. So I'm always doing it.
0: Wonderful. It's such a great answer. And I mean, you would, you would think, I mean, that you could rest on your laurels and go like, I already know this. I've already, I've done it, you know, a thousand times. I I don't need to rehearse it, but that's, that's amazing to see that. Yes, you do have to rehearse it. And it it would probably show you're not just going to phone, you know, you're not just going to phone it in. You're, you're, you're actually preparing and rehearsing for that one event that you're doing.
1: Yes. And adapting. Remember as well, Paul, as speakers, we we do what we do because of the audience. So I will always adapt them to the audience. I may have some stories that are not ideal for the crowd I'm going to be speaking in front of. So I may decide to choose another story or the data, the statistics, the information I share may be more relevant or not. So I'm always tweaking. And there, there was another thing I wanted to share.
0: Well, Jose, in the well, meantime – I'm always tweaking. Yeah, uh, go for uh, it. I'm as, soon as soon as you uh... – Remember, please share it. But I think even more importantly, another question was Does your wife make you learn? Did she make you learn salsa and cumbia? I think that's what, what's on people's minds.
1: Okay. Where, where are these questions coming from? Are they yours or are they coming from the
0: audience? No, they, they are coming from the audience. And I bless you. I think if you hit, uh, if you hit, the only way I can find it is if you hit react and then I hit, a, I hit an emoji. And then I'll see the questions uh, because, okay. Uh, ah,
1: I, see.
0: Yes, I see. Yes. It's, it's kind of, uh, you can't just bring it up for some reason, but here's, and here's some more. Uh, I, uh, Jason Baraja says, I practice and rehearse points, but always let fluidity flow through my conversation as I speak. I always remember that I'm being met by people who don't know me. And I want to make sure that I always leave hospitality as an invitation to engagement. What do you think about that?
1: Hey, Jason, buddy. Yes, I'm loving that one. I mean, the way I'm understanding that, or my version of it, is that I'm there to connect with people. So I'm present, even though I've rehearsed, because when I say rehearse, it doesn't mean I've memorized everything. I've rehearsed is that I know what I'm going to be speaking about. I've got my stories and everything else, but then I have the flexibility to be present. And if something happens at that moment, yes, we'll go after that. It's that level of flexibility depending on the size of the audience as well, what I've been asked to deliver. There's different elements. But, yes, being present, being there, connecting with those human beings is key. Having a conversation with them. I don't, I don't agree personally with, um, with people that say, yeah, when I'm presenting, I'm presenting. No, I'm having a conversation. I'm delivering a message. I'm inspiring people. There's a lot that we do. But, yeah, Jason, I, I love that one.
0: Wonderful. Okay. And, and Jose, if, if you have time and, and, you know, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time. I know that you're busy, but maybe if, if anyone has some questions, would you mind if they raised their hand and come up? Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, if, you know, I I, I know you're, how much. You're,
1: you're going to put a public speaker on the spot. How dare <laughs> you? Go? How dare you? No, please. Let's, let's do that. Look, I have 15. To, actually, I can push it 20 more minutes. Would that work?
0: That would, that would be perfect because I know that we were talking before and you, and you told me how much you hate people. So I just wanted to make, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Right. Before we joined. Yeah. I don't want to be talking today. I mean, all this, uh, <laughs> all this motivational and it doesn't work for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's not true. I made that up, but yeah. So if anyone's in the audience and, and would like to come up by all means, uh, put your hand up and, uh, we, we have such a great resource here with Jose, uh, and, um, So besides just going to your website to to get a hold of you, what services do you offer or, or, you know, is it about um, learning, you know, how to speak publicly or crafting a TEDx uh, speech or or what's your forte or what is it that you like to do?
1: I get approached from very different angles. So I'm quite flexible in that sense. I've been specializing for a while and that's something I did with the previous businesses before I started my own business. And all of this was around presenting, speaking to sell, I call it speaking to sell or presenting, pitching. And recently I've been supporting more businesses around that during the pandemic. I got the opportunity to do it. So pitching is one of them. But then I got involved with TEDx. And for a few years now, I've been curating TEDx events. I've been be, I've been the MC of some events, so now I can definitely help people to craft and to apply for TEDx events. How to use the brand, you know, to develop their business or their community. Sorry, their community. The yeah, the business, basically. Then the other one, Paul, speaking with impact and confidence in any environment, and I help um, business leaders, high executives to, again, communicate with impact. Most recently, I did a huge event with an automotive manufacturer to launch a new brand. And then it was about teaching, you know, the CEO, the COO, and all of the key guys, well, key people, women, women and men, to speak with impact. Because even at that high level, they can do with more impact when they share their message. So, Training, speaking, and coaching all around mindset, confidence, communicating with impact, that could be a summary.
0: Wonderful. Amazing. So uh, I, I brought up – and thank you for answering that. that that's, that's brilliant. Uh, I brought up – I'm going to invite uh, Jason to video. Uh, Jason, you're more than welcome to join us on video, or you don't have to. Uh, and please, if you have any questions or you'd like to say hello to, uh, to
2: Mr. Ukar, by all means, please do. Jose, ¿cómo estás? How are you doing? Jason, muy bien, so, amigo,
1: estás on fire. Thank you so much for the interactions.
2: Gracias, gracias. So, I, I you know, in my public speaking, in my podcasting, the thing that I've been preaching a lot lately is greet with the hospitality that you want to be received, receive the interest of others, and leave with the hospitality that you would want every time you engage with another. What do you think about that? Because I feel that makes much more uh, an opportunity for people to meet you where you're at and where they're at, because I'm not always interested in just voicing my opinion because that's so easy, but I'm always interested into hearing what someone says first and allow them to ask me questions. So when I create my speeches, I think of clear points. What question am I answering? So that's the end goal. And uh, what do you think about that? Jason,
1: uh, well, that's kind of the version I, that I mentioned for me about connecting. Yes, I agree. I like it. Um, You know, in a way, we as speakers are there to serve the audience. So absolutely addressing the problems they have at that moment, greeting them with hospitality and leaving them with the hospitality you would have liked to be left with. All of that. I completely agree. The there is the, the one element, and sometimes, depending on the size of the audience, you will have, at least in my experience, I know I have more time for interactions, and sometimes I have more time for actually sharing my content, if you like. Regardless, I'm always, in my mind, I'm having a conversation with those human beings. But if it's a large crowd, and I've had up to sometimes 1,000, 2,000, and then I got the lights you know, on my face and everything, I may see some people... But then I cannot have that level of conversation. But yet I embrace their presence and I try to be as flexible as possible. But your points are key because even, in my opinion, if even if they, you cannot create that link. You're thinking about it, and that energy is being conveyed, and that connection is being created unconsciously as well.
2: Yeah, I like that because I mean, I when I think about, I I, I think the most I've spoken in front of is a uh, hundred people now, and it's about performance. That's it. I'm not a coach. I, I've thought about becoming one, but I'm still crafting the expertise and the experience. So when I speak in front of people and people ask me, "How do you get to functionality?" and I think, number one, am I being effective? Can I help you become effective, not efficiency, because efficiency follows your effectiveness. You just craft it, you know, like a stonemason carving and chipping away at whatever you're trying to make. So. I allow the process to teach me to fill me more than I'm trying to fill the process. And that's like my evolution in my public speaking. So now it's not just like I've picked a topic. These people want to know something that I do that they don't already. And if I can invite, I kind of make it, Hey, you're invited to my table, have a glass of water, sit down, and we're going to enjoy a conversation and I may not be able to meet every mind, but I also think about the minds and the thoughts plant, like planting seeds, you know, crops, you it's for later. I don't worry about like in podcasting. I don't worry about how many live streamers um, I let it go. And then when I promote it, then it's, it comes what it is, you know? So that's it. So thank you for your time. I definitely appreciate your consideration.
1: It's my pleasure, Jason. And, um, you know, quickly what you've shared, I tend to work with four when I, when I, Uh, deliver my coaching sessions and presenting with impact and all of that I speak about four different styles of presenting and then ideally then we begin to pull from each one of them and we come what I what I um, describe as a multi-layer speaker or flexible speaker that can you know adapt to any audience and you are a lot of a channeler I can sense you know you're channeling that energy and you're connecting which is super powerful again Thinking moving forward, when you get invited for paid gigs and things like that, when the person, the booker, is expecting you to deliver something specifically with certain results, then you may want to reach from the. Oh yeah, that's discussed right. That's
2: every time someone wants. I've I have three bookings coming up, and every time I ask, what exactly touched your mind that I've spoken about. And what do you want to achieve by me inviting to your network or your organization? What is it that you really want so that I can craft my experience to work in the best possible way? Because I can speak about a lot of things, but doesn't mean I'm always qualified. So, you know, I just want you to, I've had a guy say, I want you to motivate. And I'm like, okay, I I like it, but I, how can I get your people to function? Motivation is like, like a firecracker, it was pretty for a minute. But it's the impact of how they're thinking, asking people questions, hmm. you know, like how flexible are you today versus what you want to achieve for tomorrow. Your flexibility yeah. and your fluidity determines a lot. So more people keep thinking, I need to go after more and more but what about if you started in the day, beginning, you're gracious and you're great, you're grateful. Accomplish five things out of the day, and then how do you match up at the end of the day in completing those things? That's what makes the impact. Not five-year plan, ten-year plan. I don't, I don't know. I, you can have those things, but you have to let water flow in, and that's life. Hey,
1: okay. exactly. Step by step, day after day. Yes, it's a daily thing. I, I love that, Jason, buddy wish you great success and let's go. Thank next. you
2: so much. Thank you so much. My I'm going to leave the stage uh, so others can come up. Thank you, Paul. You're
0: very welcome, Jason. And thank you. Thank you for that the, the great uh, question and, and contribution. So thank you so much. And uh, he, he, Jason made me feel a little foolish because of course, I've just been speaking English as opposed to in Espanol. So muchas gracias. Por estar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why, because my Spanish is horrible. <laughs> so.
1: It's good, Paul. It's good. It sounds very Mexican.
0: Wait, no, we don't have an accent, though, do we? No, no of what course not. No, ustedes
1: tienen acento, güey.
0: Claro que no. No mames, güey. What is the Argentine accent? Because obviously you're like, oh, I don't have an accent. I'm from Argentina. But what? how would I be able to tell that somebody is from Argentina?
1: Um, well, I mean, I may not be the right person to to do that accent I mean what, what why are you asking me that
0: I don't know because I, I'm always fascinated you know <laughs> could you tell if somebody's from Paraguay or Uruguay or okay. or you know well, Brazil of course they're speaking Portuguese uh or are there some words that are very Venezuelan that that like like Che is Argentine you know yeah. um, is there something that that I could use so that they're like oh he, he might be from Venezuela
1: Okay, now you're asking me about Venezuelan accent. Yes, I can help you. I mean, with the Argentine, I know in, in uh, Buenos Aires, they have the porteño, they have the che-che. But then, I mean, that, that's not my area of expertise.
0: Did I, I say Argentine? I, I meant Venezuelan.
1: Yeah, I, you, no, I, I can't imagine. You meant Venezuelan, but you said Argentine. Oh, said.
0: okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, yeah, you're like, I don't know. I'm not Argentine. Wait. Isn't well, that
1: exactly. All- I mean, I mean, don't, don't put, there you were putting me on the spot.
0: What part... <laughs> What part of Mexico is Venezuela from? Where's. Is... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, what kind yeah. of Chinese are you? Are you Japanese? Yeah, exactly. Korean? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Korean. Uh, Paul, look, uh, well, chevere, chevere has always been very Venezuelan, even though it's used in some other countries. And then chamo. Chamo, chama, chamo, chama, as in girl, boy, chamo, boy and girl. Chamo, chama. Y bueno, ¿qué pasó, Chamo? ¿Qué pasó, Chama? ¿Sabes? Nuestro acento es así, tal, de Caracas. Este es el acento de Caracas.
0: Got it, got Caracas. it. Well,
1: yeah.
0: well, well, thank you. And, and then we did have another uh, Jasmine uh, uh, I Acuitas. When I did my TED Talk, it's absolutely a dialogue with the audience. Even if it is nonverbal, you can tell if they connect with what you are sharing. So
1: yes, 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 and it all it all links together with what Jason shared as well. You have that intention, that's your purpose, and you carry that within in your mind, and that's that's happening, even if it's not coming
0: out in your words. That's beautiful as well, Justin. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Jose, you know, muchísimas gracias, uh, chamo, muchísimas gracias. My my pleasure, chamo. It's been very chévere, chévere, it's been muy chévere chevere. Gracias, gracias. I think my, my brother's Colombian wife uses that word as well. She goes, ah, muy chevere. You know? Yeah,
1: chevere, it's used in Colombia as well. Pana, pana is another one. Pana is in friend. Like, buddy, pana, oh, mi pana. Um, Paul, eh, mi pana.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, um, oh, uh, we, uh, do you have time for one more person to come up and ask a quick question?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. If someone wants to come onto the stage, yes, I make time.
0: Uh, th- this this person is very very shy, so we'll have to uh, you know bear with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. He's he's far from. Let me invite him to camera if he wants to come on video. You're more than Chris. Welcome, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Did you have a question for our guest, or, or would you like to contribute something, sir? Oh yes, claro, Casey. Si. Um, <laughs> first of all, I would I would just like to say I've enjoyed what I've heard. It's amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing your time. And uh, I'm, I'm that I'm type of person that when I move around the streets of San Francisco, California, where I live, I'm always interacting with total strangers. I tell my children, uh, never talk to strangers, uh, inter- introduce yourself first. How important is it for a speaker to make that instant connection with an audience? Or is there such a thing as an instant connection or an instant common ground, if you will? Thank you for your advice.
1: Mm. Chris, thank you so much for that lovely voice. I mean, powerful voice. I wish I had more of that. I mean, yeah. wow. And, you know, before I answer your question quickly, you remind me of my granddad. He used to go in Caracas out. Every time, I, every time I went out with him, he would chat everyone up. It was fantastic seeing him talk and having that kind of banter with people right away, that ability to create instant rapport. Yes, it is possible. It is possible and you may realize that it's not possible to have it with everyone, sorry, everybody. I, I like to actually to speak, when I speak about this, you tend to have in the audience, you have the 10, 10 and the 18 in between. You have the 10 that may not connect with you Throughout the presentation, and there's probably little you can do about that. There are the 10 that are going to be right there, like, ah, oh, I'm loving this guy or this woman. Whoa. Well, and then you have the other 80% to work on a little bit more, and many of them you can win or lose in the process. But yeah, that connection will happen. And um, it, it has to do with mindset, how you want to be perceived, your intention. That's why I love to speak about purpose, because every time I'm about to speak, In my mind, I'm there for them, for each one of those incredible human beings. And in my mind, I see them as, you know, shining stars with unlimited potential. If you come with that level of energy and you don't need to gesture it, it just comes, flows through you, similar to what Jasmine shared with her TEDx, you're very likely to connect with the majority. And then with the words come out, then they may agree, they may not agree, but unconsciously that connection is there, and then the rational, yeah, the unconscious connection, the emotions, and then the rational mind will kick in, and then they may decide to like you or not. But most of the time, I think it's going to be a yes. And in the same way, you go out talking to people, what are you thinking about right before you go and engage them? Because if they connect with you, then it's just the thinking that you carry that is definitely supporting that interaction. Hope that makes sense.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And uh once again, Paul, thank you for this show and thank you to your wonderful guest. Have a great day. I thought- thank I- you, Chris. I like- Ciao. Everyone, you know, if you're gonna live in the United States, you better learn Spanish. That's that's what I like to say. I love this. Everyone everyone speaking Spanish. Uh let's let's give José a round of applause, folks. Uh thank you guys all so much for being here and contributing and- 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 Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, Jose, I figured out how to find the questions. You, just, you click above somebody's head and then you'll see all the, you know, if there's questions or anything. So I wasn't just making them up because if I was, you know, my questions are more like is the reason you went to Sweden because of, of the women? I'm guessing it, it was the tall blonde women, you know? Well, yeah,
1: when I was 16, yes. And my wife is blonde so there's something in there i don't know some unconscious bias somewhere
0: <laughs> well uh thank you so much jose thank you for taking time uh i i wanted to also cover uh, living in the uk and what that's like but i think that's going to be for a different day i'd love it if you'd come back and spend a little bit more time with me because uh, uh i just thought it was very important though that you actually speak to some of the people here and, and get their questions answered and connect with him. So, if, of course, if anybody wants to connect with Jose, just go to JoseUkar.com uh, and you can get all his uh, social media there as well. You know, he's on, on Instagram as well and, and he's very responsive. I'm at PaulVato.com where you can find all of, um, all of my social media and follow me there. Also, what I would ask as a personal favor is if you could find Paul Vato Presents the podcast, you can find it at PaulVato.com. Uh, especially on Apple podcast and on Spotify. Uh, we are celebrating a, a little bit over a month. And I, in that time I have, I think over 20, I think you're the 23rd or 24th episode. So uh, it, in the first two months is the most important part of a podcast's life. So if you guys, you know, uh, so it's, if you guys could go there just hit like, hit five stars, of course, you know, cause I think you like it and maybe leave us a review. That would be very helpful. Uh, and I would appreciate that. And you can, again, find that all at either paulvato.com or vato.tv. But, again, let's give uh, Jose a round of applause. And, Jose, thank you so much for Bright taking people. the time thank you. to be here. I much appreciate it, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Big love, everybody. And, Paul, happy to come back whenever you like, my friend. All the very best with the podcast. You're doing
0: great. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And I'm sorry. Did you have any final thoughts or is there anything else you'd like to share uh, before we let you go? <laughs>
1: As final thought, I would say, go out there, speak your greatness. Everyone, everyone, or at least someone may need to hear your story or what you've got to say. Even if you impact one person, think about that ripple effect, that compound effect of that. then that person impacting others. That's what we need in this world. That's why speaking is so important. We can definitely change lives one person at a time. Thank you.
0: That is beautiful. Yes. So round of applause, everyone. Thank you so much. And uh, I reached out. So thank you, Jose. I much appreciate it. And thank you, folks, uh, all of you that were here and spent some time with us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Big love, everybody. Bye-bye. Ciao.
0: Quién es ese hombre? Hold another bottle. Look a little closer. Cigar and Moscato. An actor and improv. Coming from Chicago. Alto. They wave a